to episode 74 of Penny Red, the long-awaited episode 74. Why has it been so long? Well, one of the things about being single-minded, uh, getting together your ideas and putting them down in a book or something like that, is that um, not a lot of other stuff gets done. In this particular case, um, for myself at least, Sean can fill you in on his various trials and tribulations at a later date. But for myself, um, I've been renovating my basement. Pretty prosaic stuff, but my parents live in uh, New Zealand. And I like them to be able to come and visit, and instead of them having to sleep in a bedroom with fairies on the wall and pink paint and under duvets with uh, princesses and things like that on it. Um, I spent my summer working uh, on the basement. So pretty boring stuff, nothing to uh, be too worried about if you're uh, concerned about quote-unquote pod fade or whatever you say about somebody who just suddenly stops podcasting. So episode 74 will be just me. Um, some other people may show up, they may not, but uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, so what am I going to talk about? Well, I'm probably not going to talk for very long. This is the first time I've done an episode by myself since, well, since about half of uh, episode uh, number one. Although regular listeners to the show will know that I tend to go on a bit, um, <laughs> even when I have got a guest. So uh, that's that. Uh, so news, we generally do some news first. Um, I took a quick troll through the uh, Gen Con so news out of Gen Con thing. Um, I've been to Gen Con a couple of times, but uh, this year, because I was working on the basement, as I said, um, I didn't go. I was uh, probably doing some electrical work or something like that. Um, in any case, uh, depending on who you are, when you go to Gen Con, there are lots of different things for lots of different people. Some people talk about board games. Some people talk about uh, cosplay. Some people talk about both. Some people talk about um, role-playing games and I looked, took a look through the role-playing stuff I think um, although almost certainly there are other things going on so don't get mad about that um, the biggest news that I saw at least was um, sort of the update on what was going on with D&D Next or whatever they're going to uh, eventually call it but uh, apparently they're going to uh, join together the Forgotten the D&D the Next is going to be somewhere in the Forgotten Realms or they sort of join the two of them together in a a setting called The Sundering, um, the first release of which is a setting or at least a um, some sort of a resource associated with the city of Baldur's Gate, which um, is the, well, first, I guess, probably was a Dungeons and Dragons type thing, but then was sort of fairly pop, well, more, made more mainstream, at least, by the Baldur's Gate um, sort of role-playing um, computer games, uh, which I played about half of one. Um, and, yeah, that's really all that I could find um, about that. So I'd like to give you some earth-shattering news, but um, if you want a better news source, then go almost anywhere else uh, on the web. Um, <clears throat> what else can I say? Uh, as far as writing is concerned, again, um, being single-minded doesn't really help, but I have got something else in the works. Um, a few people have play-tested it, um, and I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to get it together um, I may even uh, run a game of it at uh, Big Bad Con, which I'm excited about. It's coming up in a little bit over a month, six weeks or something, until uh, until that's on. Um, and so, if you're going to be going to that, you might get a catch a glimpse, um, catch a glimpse of it there. So, what am I going to do to fill in the rest of the show? Uh, well, uh, if you're expecting an hour, you won't be getting an hour, but uh, I'm going to turn to my old faithful, which is RPG.net, and just spout off a whole bunch of uh, opinions about stuff I know almost nothing about. 
Um, and then, but maybe, maybe just one of those topics will be something that'll set you to thinking about something, and then, uh, and then I will have made a contribution to your life because I know how much you need it. Um, anyway, so let's take a look. See, uh, Luna, good God body, Luna God body. Is that a character from Harry Potter? I don't know. Let's see, Luna God body. Um, uh, it's a Japanese fellow, uh, Nemon Isoroku. Well, at least that's the name of the, uh, the the post. I started up a Skype Exalted game and something happened. I don't know anything about Exalted. So um, let's just see what his, uh, what his question is. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, uh, attention, uh, setting riff, something about Neo Geo, eclipse phase, Nova Praxis, dystopias or utopias, unless it's a very specific thing for... Um, for those games. I think that probably most role-playing games are about solving problems or dealing with something that's not quite right. Um, and if something's not quite right, then that's probably more interesting than a role-playing game where you sit around having pina coladas and occasionally get caught in the rain. But that's just me. So if I'm choosing between utopias and dystopias, then if that's the set, that's, that's the main thing going on, then I'm going to take dystopias. Um, if the game is actually about trying to deal with the fact that the utopia is being turned into a dystopia by somebody, then that's interesting. And also if the game appears to be a utopia, but is in fact a dystopia that the uh, sleeping masses are not aware of, then I guess that could be interesting too. If it's a game mechanic and I'm totally off base, well, too bad. That's what I've got to say about that. Um, <clears throat> Knights Black Agents. Uh, I don't know anything about that at all. Um, searching for superhero RPG help. Um, well, as we talked about previously, Marvel as well. Um, whoever is in charge of the Avengers role-playing game is not supporting that anymore. Uh, Sean had a look at it. I didn't have a look at it. Don't really know too much about it. Um, I've played Heroes, um, and uh, I think that's all for role-playing. Uh, I played GURPS supers as well, um, <clears throat> and. I think probably what you want to do for a, a role-playing game, at least a superhero role-playing game, I think probably the most important thing for it is character generation. Because ultimately, when it comes to playing a superhero, at least in my opinion, um, the coolest part is putting your character together and then getting them to do stuff. Now, obviously, you want to have rules that will support you doing the stuff that you created your character in, but I think they're much like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, the favorite thing for me about the superhero thing was putting together the uh, what it was that your superhero could do. <clears throat> and then uh, once you put together what your superhero could do, then actually going out and, and using it. But I've been sort of toying with the idea of a, um, of a, of a role-playing, oh, sorry, of a superhero role-playing game for a while. Um, and I like the idea of it, but every time I sort of get, get into it, then what really happens with role with uh, superheroes, at least sort of the majority of superhero, um, and I use that in the broadest sense possible, people that have got skills and abilities far uh, away, um, greater than the general populace, then there's a threat escalation to meet your, to meet your, your character's skill level. Um, and so then the general mundane, everyday type stuff that you might ordinarily find challenging um, it's not because you're superheroes. So then you need to pit superheroes against superheroes 
and then it's sort of a level playing field again. In biology, we call that the red queen hypothesis, if I can break out my uh, my biology uh, knowledge. Basically, the red queen hypothesis says that as one thing um, evolves, its predator will evolve to counter that, and then the prey will have to evolve. I mean, obviously, it's not a, a conscious thing, but but anyway, my point being, tough things require tough opponents to be interesting. And so given that you're going to get that threat escalation to match the power of your um, characters, I think a really good super role-playing game needs to be one that has excellent character creation so that even though they may not be the toughest things in the game, um, they've, got to be, they've got to be able to be what you want them to be. Um, and the process of getting there has got to be fun. <clears throat> That's all about that. Uh, let me see what else there is here. Um, sell me on or off Artesia Adventures in the Known World. I don't know anything about that at all. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, tell me something cool about Artesia, maybe, would be a, would be a good way to, to lead into that. When it comes to, yeah, I mean, different tastes, I guess. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. Um, <clears throat> Savage Worlds looking again. Um, I've got Savage Worlds, um, and I like the idea of it. Uh, but Meg Baker and I were talking um, many episodes ago, perhaps 40 episodes ago, episode 33 or something like that, about setting being um, important. Um, system is important too, but I think that the most important thing is setting, and systems should support that setting. At least um, if you want to write a game about a certain thing or you want to play a certain type of game, then the setting is important. It's got to be different to, to everyday life, at least in some way. Because um, if I wanted to role-play everyday life, I would just not be role-playing at all. I'd just be doing what I'm doing. Um, but the setting must be supported by the system. So you can get the things happening in the system um, that you want to happen. Um, and uh, that should then make the setting that much more vibrant in some way, or at least make it more compelling. <clears throat> so that's that. Uh, and Savage Worlds is, is somewhat generic, I think, in that respect. Um, not that that's a bad thing. Some people like generic stuff because they can put their own stuff on top of it. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> uh, try fate. Trying to figure out how to do magic. I got my fate core book um, in the post, and I regret to say that I've not yet opened it. But uh, at some point, I shall dig it out and uh, get stuck into it. Um, does it have anything to do with the the, the Dresden Files magic system? that uh, Evil Hat created, or is it completely separate? That much I, I couldn't say, but um, but if I know the people at Evil Hat, and I've interviewed at least two of them on the show, then uh, then I think that probably uh, it'll be fairly, it'll be, it should be fairly simple to follow, I would think. But um, even so, there's plenty of support available online, and just go and ask some people, I guess that's why you're here on the, the, uh, the RPG.net, asking that question. What a stupid thing for me to say. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Uh, RuneQuest and character character options. I saw a copy of the RuneQuest role-playing game in a second-hand bookshop the other day, and it's as close as I've ever come to RuneQuest, I think. Actually, that's not true. It's, I was thinking about HeroQuest. RuneQuest. Um, yeah, the Palladium, I think, is RuneQuest. Uh, but, yes, I don't really know. can't really remember too much about it. Many years ago. Um, some questions about BRP. What does BRP stand for, I wonder? Let's see. Uh, something about role-playing with kids. We talked a little bit about role-playing with kids um, in episode... I can't remember. 
It's been such a long time since I've podcasted, right? Um, <clears throat> uh, saw me on the new Iron Kingdoms. I don't know anything about Iron Kingdoms. Um, Dragonborn and Tieflings, again, I'm not a... Uh, not an expert on Dungeons and Dragons by any stretch of the imagination. I know that Satine Phoenix, episode 13 and well, episode 14 and 41, um, likes tieflings. I don't really know much about tieflings. Um, uh, Traveller, the stream, don't really know anything about that, except it says Traveller in it, so I'm immediately on the back foot. Changeling is a horror game. Uh yeah, um, says that, uh, so how do you do this? Changeling's always had a reputation as being the lightest of the old world of darkness games. Um, how do you make it horrible? I think that, in general, um, World of Darkness um, has plenty of background material. Now, we've, I've talked to Sam Chupp um, in a couple of episodes. Uh, I don't recall exactly which numbers they were. Um, and I've talked to a number of people that have sort of lukewarm about um, about the world of darkness, but for me at least, um, I thought the world of darkness was was great. System, uh, take it all or leave it, but the actual, all the background stuff, the way that uh, everything fitted together was great. I don't think there should be any, there would be any trouble at all creating a tiefling horror, I'm sorry, tiefling, what are we talking about? Changeling um, horror game. I think that the real strength of it is the sort of cohesive backstory, and there are plenty of bad guys available in, uh, in the world of darkness for the changelings to find horrible. Um, I would think the most important, well, I'd think most horror games uh, rely on um, taking something which is assumed to be safe by the characters um, or by the world in general and then turning it on its head or, or threatening it. And then when you've got some sort of insidious um, bad guy, then that immediately makes everything um, darker. Uh, but also, if it's something that threatens the general everyday existence, then you have the opportunity to increase that horror by doing little bits and pieces in your story that illustrate how this this thing that's going on is changing the fundamental way that uh, way that the world runs. Then that becomes um, horrific. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> Cortex plus action. How do you handle this? I don't know Cortex plus. Uh, Eclipse phase makes a second. Uh, Appearance here, story ideas, starter games, starter games, campaigns. Um, that was by disgruntled theory. Hmm. Um, so I don't really know anything about Eclipse Phase. What I do know about Eclipse Phase is that the um, that the guy who wrote Eclipse Phase ran a um, a session, if you like, at Gen Con three years ago. Um, about putting together a role-playing game. And at, the, at that point, I was sort of thinking about Victorian, thought, oh, then this fella has put something together and, and maybe that would be something that would be um, interesting and, and useful, maybe some tips about, you know, publishing and tips about, um, you know, getting, uh, like, marketing and promotion, um, things to avoid when you're in the process of putting together a role-playing game. But I was, I was wrong. I mean, I, I guess I should have read the thing more carefully. Basically, um, he illustrated how to put together a role-playing game. Um, and I've got to give him credit for the motley assortment of people that were there. Um, we, uh, I say we, but um, we took suggestions from the floor and sort of put together the concept for a, a role-playing game and showed how he would use various ideas in a, a role-playing session. I think it ended up being a, a story about some 
fellow who was suffering some mental disorder that had multiple personalities. Um, and the game revolved around being these different personalities or something. I forget exactly um, how it went, but um, that's all I know about uh, that's all I know about Eclipse Phase. Um, <clears throat> except it's free, I think, online, or at least it was. Uh, where I read Mage the Ascension First Edition, there's 27 posts to that. This is started by Blackie the Blackball. Um, I've been very interested in the last couple of weeks over a where I read where I read. Um, of the Vampire the Masquerade First Edition Core Rulebook, and now he's on to Major Essential. There's like 27, 27, count them, pages of comments on that. So if you're interested in Mage First Edition, um, which I am, um, then um, maybe you want to check that out. I don't really want to dig into that. There's not really a question there. I think it's just a, a discussion of the uh, of the game. But <clears throat> there you have that. Um, Shadowrun 5, let's talk some more about Shadowrun. Sean's much more into Shadowrun than I am. Um, uh... What do you want from Demon the Descent? You want anything? Um, uh, transport changing the dreaming. Uh, plot devices that need to die in a fire. Okay, plot devices. All right, so let's talk about plot devices, and I think we'll be done for uh, for today. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to dig into this and see what we've got for a plot device that need to die in a fire. Okay, so number one, I put bombs in your brain and or bomb collars around your neck. Um, how... Nick with a K in front. That's interesting. Um, how uh, now you have to obey me here? Do these quests? I can't be bothered to do myself. Does that need to die in a fire? Um, I don't know. I don't think I'm against bomb collars in general, but I think it's just one of the myriad ways that you can threaten uh, somebody or at least put somebody's safety um, on the line and get them to do something to compel them in some way. Um, I think in general, uh, have compelling characters to do something. Um, either directly or indirectly. Um, I think that that's really the key. If it's directly like I put a bomb collar on, you go and do this, it's not... Um, I don't think people would be in favour of sort of being led around and being forced to do things. Um, if you can force them in some story-centred way, I think that's probably preferable, but that's just me. Um, uh, let me see what else here. Um do stuff for money. Um, again, I think that using money as a as a plot device in role-playing games is tricky uh, because there's no tangible... I mean, obviously, you're not going to get the million bucks yourself at the end of the game, but even for your characters, I don't know whether large quantities of money are going to be something that they would, would want unless that's a means to a different end that's, that's central to the story, but it's me. Um... Uh, <clears throat> I'm obviously treacherous and untrustworthy. I'm going to hire you to a job that would be bad if anyone found out that I was involved in. Um, don't really see any problem with that. Um, I mean, unless you're, I mean, unless you're averse to helping out bad guys in your stories, but there you go. Um, uh, go get this thing so that I can save the day. Um, and then the question of the subtext to that, or at least the, the, the second half of that is, well, why wouldn't I just use that thing myself to do something? Um, I don't know. I, I think that's an okay. I think it's an okay plot, but um, but it's a good point also. Um, I don't know. There could be any number of reasons. I guess it comes down to uh, comes down to backstory. Um, <clears throat> it was all a dream. Yeah, don't do that. Um, people like to feel like what they've done makes makes sense. Um, 
prophecies, um, who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah, I think that if you're writing a story or at least writing a, a scenario that requires the characters to feel a particular way about a person ahead of time, um, and the way you do that is through a prophecy, um, I'm not sure that that's the best way. There's an, as a maxim in uh, writing or an aphorism, I'm not really sure which of those two it would qualify as, but um, which goes, don't uh, show, don't tell. So um, you want to, um, if possible, illustrate reasons why, rather than just come out and say, you can trust this guy, or you feel like you can trust this guy. Here, roll your perception. Oh, yes, you feel like you can trust this guy. Um, that's less good. Um, and you're all sitting around the tavern when? Well, something wrong with that, sitting around the tavern, and then something happens. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. That's a good tried and true way to uh, to start up a, a fantasy type tale. Um, just it's sort of shorthand um, for sort of a shorthand for role players, really, or at least for Dungeons and Dragons players. You know, this is the sort of setup to the to the story. I think I think it's allowable. It's a friendly sort of a way to get started. Um, uh, Dice, right? Object to a hundred sided dice. It seems weird. Um, uh, um, yeah, I'm not reading any more of those. Okay, <clears throat> so plot devices that need to die in general. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with a plot device um, in and of itself, but I think that ultimately, if a plot device, if using a plot device as a way to um, cover up the fact that you don't have a deep enough background to sort of to, to paint a picture that people will see something going on, then um, there may be one of two reasons for it. First of all, we don't have the time to put together that level of uh, of plot. Um, then that's that's fine. But I would say that probably um, plot devices are not necessary when you have a when you've spent the time to put together a really detailed character to start with. Um, having those serious backstories where you can get people emotionally involved in the stories that you guys are, that you're telling, um, I think that that's really um, what's going to make the plot leap off the page because they're going to be organic, going to come out of character development. So, I guess if I'm trying to stand on the soapbox, I would say that putting together um, your character and your character's background, um, all the characters and characters' background that are going to be in the story, will suggest plenty of plots, and then because those plots are organic and come out of the character's background, they're not really plot devices per se. They're just plots. Um, and also, don't be so precious about what isn't and isn't a good way to start a role-playing game. I mean, I've, I've talked about this before. I don't generally play role-playing games to learn stuff about myself or about other people. Um, I don't play role-playing games in general um, to have deep emotional um, experiences. It's just... Well, I don't want to say just, but it is my favourite way to uh, to spend some time. So if you're hanging out with with good friends and you're when you're having a few laughs, then um, then you're winning, right? That's the that's the old uh, the old things that we're all playing. If you're having fun, then you're winning. But anyway, that's episode seventy four. Um, it looks like Sean will also be busy next week for what would be episode 75. So will there be an episode 75? Will there not be an episode 75 next week? That I don't know. But until the next time we talk, have no fear, we will return. 
Um, and until then, keep talking the walk. Thank you.